0: Hey, before we jump into tonight's show, I wanted to mention that we have partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and hunters and anglers just like us and it is a free social community you can go there for free sign up and they'll even give you $10 just by joining um and once you join and start posting and sharing things and tracking trophies and adding gear and inviting friends you'll actually earn points and you'll see those points accrue and accumulate and as you earn them you'll be able to unlock some pretty great rewards to things like gift cards and free swags and knives I just cashed in on a nice uh, camel turkey hunting hat which I'm excited to use and some turkey calls myself so as you build those points it's very practical but moreover it's a great community of friends and like-minded individuals where you're not going to get your wrist slapped for sharing a grip and grin and things of that nature if you want to check it out I recommend that you do you can go to uh, download and that'll get you started okay real quick um this isn't an ad I wanted to call out that for some reason, our audio tonight from our guest, I'm not sure what the deal was. We tried to fix it. We tried several things uh, to resolve some garbly gook feedback that was coming through. We got it good for a little bit, but then it just persisted for reasons that we're not able to figure out. Uh, so this is the hunter podcast, and it wouldn't be if we didn't have an occasional issue here or there that we had to navigate. So... Um, Big shout out to our guest, Christian, for rolling with those punches and solving those issues with us and trying to correct it. But I did want to call out that the audio for this particular episode is a little bit choppy. So if you can bear with that, the content is still really, really good and uh, practical to listen to. I just wanted to make that mention here. That is something that if it persists, we're going to look at investigating why that is the case. But this is the first time this particular issue had happened. So hopefully you can bear with us on this one. Our apologies for the audio quality here. Hopefully it'll be better next week when we bring on additional guests. A um, couple, of, couple of announcements, our Foam Fest event is live on our website. You can go to OKS100.com, go to events on the dropdown, and you can go ahead and register for Foam Fest that is scheduled for August 27th at Hubbleton Brewery. It's 20 bucks to enter, and uh, we'll have uh, a 3D course set up. We'll have some giveaways with some really good brands that we're excited to be uh, announcing as we kind of bring this thing to life. And... Uh, Lots of merch going for (laughs) lots of merch getting sold on our website as of late. So, we're trying to make sure we can keep up with the demands of of our products that are going out the door. So, we put in some more orders for hats and things like that that are flying off the shelves. If you want to check out some of the things that we have on our site, you can go to OKShunter.com, browse around, take a look around, and see what you like. If you sign up for our email blast, you'll get 40% off, I believe, on your first sticker order. And if you join our OKS crew, you'll get discounts on other brands that we enjoy working with, some pretty good discounts. And you'll get on your first uh, order from OKS Hunter over $50, you'll get free shipping. So wanted to make sure I mentioned those things to everybody that's tuning in. Let's get into our episode this week. This is the OKS Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks if that's just me, in the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKS Hunter podcast. Come at you from the OKS Hunter podcast studio. Brought to you by and presented by, or whatever the words are there, Spartan Forge. Head over to SpartanForge.ai to learn more. Download their app and be sure to use code OHP for 10 per... That's the wrong amount. 20. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> expect the worst, hope for the best. Kind of thing. So you percent off two plus and five. And <laughs> We're gonna do some math today, which is not my strong suit. Makes it sound. Better. I can't. I'm like Ron Burgundy. If I just can't read the teleprompter, <laughs> my eyes went to the wrong thing and I saw 10. 25 percent off. And just so you guys all know, uh, if you haven't heard, they're dropping a major release this week. It's being submitted to uh, the Apple you know play store and the google play store whatever the hell they're called um, it takes a little while for those things to get approved once they do those those changes but uh the map clarity is going to be if you thought it was clear before which it was <laughs> it's impeccable and then the historical uh, data or the weather data or the historical the- map data like you can look back year up up to eight years in some regions of maps so you can look at a parcel or a property that maybe you hunt and you can look at it eight years ago seven years ago six years ago five years ago two years so you can see how it's changed over time
1: heck yeah that's all awesome the way up to the current current too.
0: year yep correct that's kind of the idea there right and the clarity bill the the founder um bill thompson shared with me some screenshots of like where they started as an app and where they're at today with that clarity yeah it's unless you see it you're not going to understand <laughs> And there's a technical term that he sent me. I'm not even going to get into what that means. Cause it's like something per centimeters. It's how many pixels of the map fit in per square centimeter of your smartphone screen. And so he was getting really nerdy with me on it. And I was like, <laughs> Bill, I don't know what that means. You have to explain that to me. It Remember who you're good. talking to. This is the okay. hunter. Hunter. Um, so for whatever that's worth, if you're not like, um, onto them yet, or figured out that that's the place to be putting your efforts and dropping pins, uh, as a, as a whitetail hunter, um, you should make the switch if you haven't, or if you haven't even had have one of those apps at all, like that's the one to start, start with for with sure. Start with Spartan, yeah. um, So anyway, and I know Derek, you've made great use of it for shed hunting and scouting, and you've dropped lots of
1: pins. Well, it's interesting because it's still on like a lot of forums and hunting stuff. Like mm-hmm. everybody's kind of like, which one do I get? Hunt stand, Onyx. So like Spartan Forging is kind of catching on, but I always am like, you guys need to look at this because it like takes everything that those two do well, because each do something a little bit different. It does them all well, like you guys should be here. And
0: it's got the deer predictability, which the other ones don't have. I shouldn't say that because I know Huntwise has like the deer cast. I think
1: that's based on like lunar stuff, though. You know what I mean? Kind of.
0: It's not off of empirical not, data aggregated over it's eight not years. The AI. Yeah.
1: They have nowhere near the data warehouse. The, the neural. Bill has. What
0: do you call it? Neuro neural mapping or something? I'm getting it wrong right now. Uh, Sounds cool. <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's. Very, very impressive. So please go check it out. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that for a while if we wanted to. We'll, try, Bill, we'll get him on in the summer when he comes through Wisconsin. Now, I'm drinking some drop-time spirits. Derek's got a beer, so cheers to drop-time for keeping us from going dry in the studio was good stuff, and we shared it with a bunch of people at the trade show that listen to the podcast. Like, oh, is that drop time? I'm like, it is. Do you want a shot? Hey, we have shot glasses. And we were, I think, we got in trouble. Actually, we had a note on our, uh, oh, really? our stand like the next day. Like, no you can't, out? you can't give out beer and, and booze. And I'm like, sorry about hey, that. Those
1: guys brought over the shot glasses. You're not going to not use them,
0: right? They had to, they had to be put to some sort of use. I'll put this up on the screen for you so you can see it there, Derek. And uh, we do have a guest with us today, so let's get into our guests and our topic. And uh, for everyone that's starting to join us here, welcome to the, to the show. Uh, all right, so with us live, Kristen Schaff, founder and CEO of Uncharted Supply Company. Uh, don't die is your hashtag that I see on all of your stuff. <laughs> like, thanks for being on the show. It's good to meet you. I would like you to uh, provide some context for the audience as to who you are and what you got going on over there with the Uncharted Supply Company. Right on.
2: Um well I'm a Wisconsin guy, first of all, given this podcast, it's probably worth noting. I'm from Barron, Wisconsin, grew up on a dairy farm up there. Uh, you know, several thousand acres of crops and forests and the whole thing. So uh I, I now live in Park City, Utah. Um, you know, I was I've I've lived a few different places. My background is pretty wide. I was a musician for ten years, played all over the world, ended up doing a lot of work um, overseas with the military during Operation Iraqi Freedom, like um, providing bands and entertainment and some really kind of the forward operating bases and joint security stations. So kind of the more dangerous spots during that war. Um, Started a cider company, Joe Heron called Crispin Cider back in the day that is owned by Miller Coors now. And uh, yeah, now I run Uncharted Supply, which, um, you know, we're out here in Park City, Utah. I just I've always been drawn to the mountains. And and uh, when we started building this company, I was like, man, before, before we get too many employees and I'm stuck here for the next decade, I better get to where I want to be. Um, so we, we uh, or I, I guess, moved out here and started hiring people. And that's what we do. So we build, we build you know, we started with like 72-hour kits. And now we build everything from battery jump starters to pack rafts to small first aid kits to hip packs. And, um, you know, I'm a big hunter. So almost everything we build. It's not hunting specific, but it definitely works for those situations as well. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'll stop there for now.
0: I gotta get my bearings here. (laughs)
2: Don't we didn't die?
0: Don't die. Now that I'm having heart palpitations, Um, how did you like? Why why was this product created? How did you get into this? We talked about like you had the the cider company and you did the tour in in Iraq for like uh, uh, catch penny playing for the troops, which is really something, man. That's pretty cool. Not many people can say they've done that. But then you jump into this. It's just, where's the connection point here? You know,
2: if if I did everything together, it would probably make a lot of sense. Like, everything I've done in my life has dovetailed into this. But generally speaking, growing up on a farm in Wisconsin, spending eight years in Iraq with military, uh, I then moved to California and I, I went for a job. And I've never been around people that, I, I, what I want to say is we're so incapable. But the reality is, it's just a different existence. People depend on technology, they live in settings. And, you know, I stuck in um, a two inch snowfall one day that basically, you know, <laughs> stopped me tracks for eight hours. And where I went school, two inches of snow meant a deep snow. And, um, you know, I just sat there for eight hours wondering, well, what happens if there's an earthquake? Because this is nothing, and that's kind of what took me down the path. I'd always want to be in the outdoor industry, I love doing that kind of stuff, and um, but I didn't compete with everyone, I didn't want to another approach. And suddenly, I was like, wow, there's a, there's a pain here, that really ties into everything I've done in my life, and I decided to go for it. So, that was kind of it. That's a Two inches where you
0: were at is nothing here in Wisconsin, as we're all well aware. That would be right. like, Yeah, sorry, no big deal. I mean, I think we've had like twelve inches at some point and they're like, get your butt to work or, to school work. or whatever. You do. Time to go. They never cancel stuff here. So that that first seventy two hours, as I understand it, is like the critical time of you know, some sort of you know, if the emergency first responders can't get to you, that's where you could run into some serious issues. And it sounds like what <clears throat> well, you designed, it really helps with that, that initial yeah, kind so, of hours out of the gate.
2: Right. So, um, I've been trying to find an updated stat on this because I, I tend to believe this number gotten worse. But when I started, there was very well 95% of all emergency situations were resolved in 72 hours. What that meant was whether you went to ditch or September 11th, the cavalry would be 72 hours. But what you did in those first 72 hours, you know, is very critical. If it's freezing, it's super hot. If you don't have food, if you're injured, and you're on your own, you you got to at least get through. And so that was, you know, again, a lot of people struggling to pay the bills, and they're living in small apartments or condos. Um, and how do you do something that prepares a building bunker? Sure. Yeah,
0: that's so, a great question. We're good. So, <laughs> 72 hours critical uh time for like first responders to show up. Things can get weird quick and dicey. Um but I think what I want to do is um go through some of the products that you have real quick because the one I'm looking at here on our podcast table um you know it's it's a smaller pack and I've seen some very large ones and I know you have like this one that you mentioned like there's life rafts and tents and all that stuff. Can you just walk us through the different products that you have in the various applications. Cause it, we do have a good up size audience that does some Western hunts. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I would start by saying this, um, if we're talking hunting specific, I'll go that direction. Our survival kits are really designed to be in your car in your house. You know, when you got when something happens and you're not getting home or you got to move, you've got everything you need there. You don't have to run around the house. You know, grabbing supplies and you forget something, right? You just know that there's complete thought there, and it's 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 peace of mind. Now, if you're hunting, I'm not. I didn't build our 16 pound survival kit for, you know, western hunting, uh-huh. say, or for ghost for, for whitetail hunting. Anybody that's you know hike mountains, you're you're cutting the tags off your jacket to save weight. So, um, you know, what I always tell people is is there's a famous quote, and it's the uh, the best camera is the one in your hand. And, um, I think it's the same with, with first aid kits. There's a lot of times people don't bring a first aid kit because they're mountain biking or trail running or hunting or hiking. And you know, nothing happened the other 99 times they went out and man, I just don't want to carry all that weight. I'm going to go fast. I'll be back. No problem. And that's when things happen. Um, classic example, I ski tour almost every morning out here where, you know, we hike up the mountain with our skis and ski down and, my dog comes with me every morning and, um, we've done this for years. And last winter he ran into a buddy of mine, gashed his leg open. And we were, we were on an 11,000 foot peak about, you know, seven miles from home and he was bleeding out. And, you know, I had our little triage kit with and saved his life. So it's just those types of experiences really just remind me that, you know, you always should have something with you. So, You know, I I don't need to go through our whole catalog of products. I encourage everyone to go look on our site, but, um, you you know, for hunters starting with the truck, we've got these battery jump starters that are just awesome. I don't know how many times I've gone out for a long weekend and came back and I left the dome light on and, you know, there's still no service at the truck and now what do I do? Right. How do I, how do I find somebody to come jump my car? These little battery jump starters will jump an eight liter diesel in a split second. So it's nice to have those, you know, it's just peace of mind. Um, the one you've got there, that first aid plus, is we call it plus because it's a little bit of a first aid kit plus, you know, tools. You've got a multi tool of flashlight, glow sticks, duct tape, zip ties, uh, wet wipes, you know, a lot of stuff that you just use when you need when you, when a pinch. And that's a great kit if you're with a bunch of guys at kind of a camp and maybe there's, you know, four or five tents and you've got a grill, you brought some other stuff in on horses, or, or maybe you drove in on the ATVs and you're, you're set up. Like that's a great kit to have sitting around the camp. Now, if you're going to leave camp and go out, that's pretty heavy, right? You're probably not going to carry that with you. And that's why we have the smaller ones. So we've kind of tried to, as we've gotten older and grown as a company, tried to build products that that can just accompany you no matter what it is. I mean, it started out as 72-hour large-scale emergencies. But, man, everybody's got a different opinion of an emergency. Emergency could be a, a broken ankle six miles from home on, in the woods, right? Or it could be a, a gash that you just need to – bandage up and, and stop the bleeding before you get home. And so we, you know, we think about that and that's, that's how we do things. We just came out with a new product. Um, I just used it all weekend. I was actually access deer hunting in Texas and, um, we call it the park pack and it really started. People kept going, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Yellowstone or Teton and, um, should I carry my 72 with me with the kids? And like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. But it made me think, you know, what, how do people carry, uh, you know, what makes sense? And it's, it's a fanny pack. It's a hip pack. We designed this thing so it does not flop. Um, it's waterproof. It almost feels like one of those weightlifting belts, you know, they are supportive when you have it on. Um, it's got, it's got molly-attached water bottle holders on the side. That you can swap out for bear spray. You can swap out for a pistol holster. You can swap out for fly fishing gear. And, you know, for me, like, hunting down Texas, it was kind of rainy, windy. I had, a, I had a lightweight waterproof shell. I had a little triage first-aid kit. I had a water bottle um and what else did i have and kn- i mean just just a knife a couple of granola bars and it's all sitting around my hips and i don't have a sweaty back so i was carrying a backpack everywhere and it feels like i'm not wearing anything and for me that's like that's kind of the magic right when you can when you can create a product that doesn't encumber your experience and you can move faster and be more effective at, at hunting or you know stalking or whatever it is um that's what i get excited about so we we work on that a lot that's definitely the key because I know. Like a lot of the
1: things that I'm doing, I should be having something to be prepared. And in the back of my mind, you know, I've had a little bit of training here and there and been in some situations where you, you make things work and you know, you get a bleed, you got to, you know, make a little makeshift tourniquet. And as much as you can make things work, man, when you see something put together, that's like, here's everything you need to do it right.
0: It's like gives you confidence. Now, I should
1: really be taking something, you know, and and this, the pack you were just talking about, the plus that we've got here, this would be awesome for in a vehicle or like Eric and I have been to the Boundary Waters, Northern Minnesota canoe trip. I would definitely bring the waterproof nature along. of that is, is critical. But for going on a hunt, like you're saying, having that smaller pack that's just like your triage kit, what you need in it, man, yep. that's that's ideal for doing You know what we're doing and what most of the country is doing for hunting. You don't want to be lugging around something
2: big. Then I think that's why people don't typically do that. No, that's your kit. I mean, it fits in, like, a cargo pocket on your pants. It fits in a chest pocket on your jacket or, you know, like a bike jersey in the back. I mean, it's tiny. It's smaller than your iPhone. And it's just there's no excuse not to take it. And I can't tell you how many times. Usually what I'm in there for is blister packs or um, blister shells. You know, Absolutely. you're hiking somewhere, you get a blister. And you. everybody here listening knows how, man, a heel, a heel blister on a boot, can just slow you down and make your day miserable. And you also know how effective it is to cover that up and just keep going. It's almost like it's not there. So even if it's not life or death, it's just, it's just enjoying the moment and overcoming whatever little thing happened. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just so easy. You know, it's, it's one of those things that like, most people don't do it until they've had an experience where they were really screwed. But man, I, I, my mission in life is to try to get people thinking about it before it happens.
1: Heck yeah. And just like you said, it's not even about like life or death, but it's about like being able to continue enjoying that moment that you work to be in. Like you said, like the hiking, the blister kit, but you know, I've, I've done some, you know, shed hunting, hiking in some areas and like, you're not looking or you get a dead stick into the calf, into the shin, take a big gouge out. Like that's not a big deal in most places, but if you're in the right place, that is a big deal and you got to take care of it. So being able to enjoy your time, wherever you're at, having something like that is definitely going to help.
0: Yep. You know, when I was in the Boundary Water canoe area, we, it, it almost got bad quick. Our, you know, designated designated navigator misinterpreted one of the, um, you know, spots we're supposed to, what are they called again, where you're getting out with the canoe and dragging it through the, the portage, The portage. geez. And portage. so we, we thought we were like one portage further than we actually were, which goofed up our whole internal compass pretty bad. And then it got dark. We got separated. We had four guys, two canoes, two guys in each canoe. And, uh, Suddenly it was like very sketchy. We climbed up on a spot cause we saw some other campers that thought we thought maybe they could like help us cause we were totally in the wrong spot and they got pretty dicey. Like someone almost broke their freaking leg, um, yeah, in that's... the pitch black, dark, separate from one another, no GPS, no way to call for help or communicate. And you know, we were pretty young when I did that trip. So we didn't have, I think a good first wait, day, wait, kit, you, had, you know, right. so it could have been pretty precarious, which is, you know, uh, seeing something like this makes you realize like how much more confident. You could be in being prepared and even give like your loved ones back home some confidence. You know, maybe a sat phone would be would have been a good idea and some guys go with those things, but you don't want to be dialing that if you don't have to, or maybe it's not fatal. So being able to take care of yourself is a good thing. And the blister stuff too, man. That's just you just don't want to be like Derek said, you don't want to be miserable doing the thing that you just prepped for you for like probably so hard, a, right? a half a year or more that you got right. points built up for, you bought a tag for, you did all this stuff. Um and the various use cases make sense where you're very i mean as a marketer you know we talk about um you know, not to get off deer hunting too too far here but we talk about psychographics just as much as demographics psychograph- psychographics are like i'm in wisconsin we say bubbler they don't say bubbler in texas so my my marketing and ad campaigns better tailor themselves to that psychograph uh, of a person based on where they're geolocated or what nomenclature they're using and things of that nature it seems as though you went that granular with this product that it it fits the precise use case that someone's looking for, and it factors in the things that they care about. Like you said, you're ripping off tags of your shirt if you're an elk hunter <laughs> to shed pounds. You're not going to carry something heavy, but if you have something that's designed for those folks, then that's that's fantastic. I mean, yeah, that's got to be really hard from a supply chain standpoint, from a product development standpoint, from like I don't know how you're putting this together, but it's I'm looking at this first aid kit and. Just by the way it's represented, I can tell that there's a level of quality here that I don't think I would see, especially in this category of product. It's impressive.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to do something that somebody's already, already done, right? Like if we're if we can't differentiate, we shouldn't build it. It probably means there's a good answer. I, you know, I was on Shark Tank early on, and I remember, uh, you know, one of the things he always used to say. I think it was I think it was Mark Cuban. He always say, you know, not not to us, thankfully, but different entrepreneurs that come in with an idea and he's like, you're solving for a problem that doesn't exist. You know, you have to, you have to find where the problems are. You have to find where you can build a better mousetrap or a new idea on something. And, and that's what we, that's what we always try to do. And I, you know, the beauty of that is a lot of that comes from experience. I mean, how many times have you been out there and like, you had to, you had to rig something and then you come home and you just think about it. You're like, man, if I would have had this or this, or I could have done it like this, then it's better, right? I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, we really come from a place of authenticity. We really test our products. We think everything through at a really high level. And yeah, supply chain, especially now with everything going on in the world, for a small company is it's hard. It's like it's like going to battle, you know, with the grim reaper of business or entrepreneurship every day. Like you try to stay alive and you're trying to sell and you're trying to communicate this and you're trying to build a quality product and ask people to spend hard-earned money when there are cheaper options out there and they're just not nearly as good. But, you know, in a space like this, um, sometimes, sometimes, uh, it's, it's hard to to really be honest with yourself about what you need and what you might need, you know? So. And what is
0: the, what is the feedback been from, from your customers? Like, have you gotten? I'm assuming that you have a mountain. You know, those, is it the Allstate commercials or no, it's the State Farm ones where they're like, yeah, we've seen a thing, or we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Um, I imagine yeah, you guys have people one. writing into you with like, this product saved this or helped that, or, you know, if I didn't have this, oh my gosh. Do you have any testimonials like that? Like, that strike you as we've... you wouldn't believe this one, man, <laughs> you know?
2: yeah we've we've got a couple save my life stories, but only a couple. And I you know, what we get most of is, I mean, if you think about the trajectory of an emergency, you're not you're not life or death immediately. Usually, something happens which makes something else happen. It's this downward spiral that leads to a really bad situation. And I think the beauty of what we've created is it it cuts that that cycle off way early. So, you don't you don't get to a life and death situation where you finally pull this kid out. You got a heel blister, you fix it, and now you don't think about it the rest of the day. Instead of, you know, instead of moving at X miles an hour, you're at five X or like or a, a fifth of that, right? And now the sun goes down, and now you're lost. Like it's funny how one bad thing can make more bad things kind of happen and lead you down a down a bad path. So what we have a ton of is is small things that you can see how they become big things, but they stop early and it turns potential large scale things into just minor inconveniences and people go about their day. And to me, while it's not as dramatic, that's, that's really success. Um, Absolutely. I'll add, I'll add one thing there. The the one thing that we do get a ton of reviews on is our our Zeus and our Athena jump starters. And that's just because it's, it's so tangible. It's so binary. It's like my, (laughs) my truck didn't start. I didn't have cell service. Uh, you know, there's nobody to jump me. And in 30 seconds, I started my truck and I drove home. Like we have, if you go to our website, there's hundreds of people saying that. There's there's this one, I'll never forget. This guy had really poor English or he couldn't type. But the, the moral of the story was his wife bought it for him as a Christmas present. And he thought it was a cute toy. And to appease her, put it in his truck. And then he got to the job site and his bulldozer was dead. And he was like, I'm just going to use this so I can tell my wife it was dumb. And it started the bulldozer. And he's like, I just bought some more, you know. So <laughs> That, that kind of stuff just makes me smile and it, it makes the hard work worth it you know you uh
1: you hit it right on the head when you were talking about when you first said that um about your, your jump starter and you mentioned the dome light because the last late season bow hunt I went on here in Wisconsin was frigidly cold and I left a door uncracked you know it wasn't closed all the way or whatever but it was daylight obviously when I went in for an afternoon hunt didn't notice it coming back I'm like walking toward the vehicle and I'm like, like 100 yards away I'm like Somebody like, you know, maybe like a game warden or somebody pulled up because there's like a car that's on right by my car. And when I got closer, I was like, "Sure, shit." It was my car light that was on. The dome light did not start because it was like, you know, five degrees. Call the wife. She's got to load up the two kids in the van. Drive thirty minutes to come jumpstart me. Oh my god, where were you, Christian? (laughs) I should have been prepared.
2: I should have been prepared. Yeah, it's um, it it's like again that was a, that ended up being a big pain in the ass. And with one of our little jump starters, like literally away you go in 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> it's like
0: it's the author, uh, James Clear wrote atomic habits. And I think he talks about like, if a plane's heading from New York to California, if you turn the nose, of that plane, just like a fraction of a degree, you're going to end up like in Mexico or something, you know, nowhere near the mark. So that small, yeah. small adjustment has a big, big trajectory on, the success or failure of whatever it is you're doing, so and it, it almost reminds me of the movie Minority Report too, where you know if they they roll the ball off the table, it's like, well, if I caught that, was it still going to fall? And it's all this like you know pre-crime, yeah. like it didn't happen yet, <laughs> so was it really going to happen? You know, was a really terrible thing going to happen if they didn't heal that blister? Well, who freaking knows? But isn't it great that like we don't have to wonder don't that then? Exactly, hundred
2: percent. That's exactly it.
0: Yeah, and that's it. Your-
2: I mean, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not a prepper. I'm not like a you know it's funny like there's all these guys out there that are into like you know bushcraft and um and like starting a fire with like a you know a bowstring kind of thing. and i'm like I'm, like my philosophy is if you're starting a fire with that you've made 50 mistakes already you know like why don't you have a 99 cent thick lighter in your pocket like this is insane Better yeah, you're on like um,
0: some TV show like naked and afraid <laughs> like no, trying
2: I've, I've, when we started yeah when we started we had we had an investor that was there was heavily in the tv space and so i was you know getting a lot of calls about being an expert on this survival show or that survival show i'll never forget this one call this lady was like so i just got off the phone with this lady who's a botanist and she can tell you which plants to eat and which not you know and that's kind of her superpower she's like what's what's kind of your superpower and i was like i bring two snickers i mean like why are we deciding (laughs) which plants we should eat or not eat like just can't you think ahead enough to i mean i understand that there are situations that might happen but it's Nobody's drinking their pee in the Amazon like their girls. <laughs> like nobody, you know. Like, he makes it look so, so for, <laughs> <laughs> But it's just it's just logic, and you know maybe maybe that's my superpower is just you know I I, I think about hunting. You know, like I've I've done grizzly hunts and you know the Brooks Range and moose moose hunters a moose behind me I shot up in British Columbia and uh, you know, it, man, as everyone knows. The woods, nature, animals, they will throw you a thousand curveballs. You don't need to create any more for yourself. So, like, think it through while you're home, while you're sitting on your couch. Like, make a list. Make sure you've got redundancies. Make sure you know everything you can and control everything you can. And a big part of that for me is taking care of yourself and being safe. You know, you shouldn't be lost in the woods these days. I mean, I've got a watch that if I just started at my truck, it will point an arrow towards my truck, you know, for six days of battery life. Right. Like, gosh, yep. like, like there's no reason for that as long as you're thinking ahead. And I mean, that's kind of how I think of everything. It's just I'm here to try to help people think no,
0: but way. it's, it's it, your your power, your superpower being logic and, and, and those things like I'll I'll get so far as to like put, you know, uh, the thing I need most for the day, a lunch uh, right at the stoop by the door. So I'm like, I'm on the way out the door. I'm going to grab this thing. I've prepared my lunch the night before I put it by the door. I know what I'm doing. I got it all figured out. What do I forget? The thing I tried to remember the most. What happens when I get to, you know, uh, the deer stand, I forgot my headlamp. I left it plugged in in the charger in the truck. Or I, for- like, you know, a lot of us do some dimwitted things in the moment. And when you're doing something that you've only done a handful of times or only do once, you know, one duration of time during the year or so forth, you're relearning this stuff. Like when I packed to go on vacation, well, last time I was on vacation was pre COVID and you're like do i have this do i have that do i have this there's not enough routine baked around some of the bigger trip things that someone might do like an elk hunt or even just whitetail hunting like every year i gotta remember oh yeah i haven't i haven't hung my saddle in a tree since last fall i haven't set the stuff i was show my dad my uh, saddle platform and i was like trying to show him how it attaches to itself I was like, like how, i don't even remember how work? i had this configured but i know that once i was in the midst of the season I was on a system, man. Like I had that stuff down pat and the suddenly now line. I have no clue. I was like embarrassed yeah. showing my dad. Like, <laughs> I know I swear it clips together really nice. I promise like I can show and I couldn't. So, you know, having this stuff to be prepared without even to think about it, someone could go put this stuff together and put it in a waterproof bag probably. And there's a lot of DIY guys and preppers that will and they don't need that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you probably don't, buddy, because that's all you ever do is like overthink things into oblivion of the worst case scenario. That's not me. I just assume like the best is going to happen. I'm an entrepreneur. We think everything's going to work, right? Like that's <laughs> the curse. Yeah. So having something like this and just pointing to that, I always have to remember like, oh, I have one for this and I have one for that and I have one for this and I have one for that. I think it's, yeah. I know or like beating a dead horse. You're talking about the product, but I've not encountered this before. Like I haven't seen this product before. And Adair keeps pulling up and looking at the back and I keep doing the same. And this is just one of them. You know, there's a whole bunch of them that, that exist. And uh, like I said, I've had some precarious situations, but they didn't, they didn't pan out in the worst way, but deer hunters fall out of trees a lot. You know, that's probably the number one injury. It's not that someone's getting shot.
1: Well, I think that and cuts. Yep. So then what, I think like you're, you're the cut, tourniquet. You're constantly cutting your hand on shit. Yep.
0: I am, at least in the woods. Oh, for sure. Gutting a deer, bleeding Saws, all over the place.
1: Saw's, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to trim a little dead branch or something. And the smaller the branch, the more those teeth of your saw catch. And all of a sudden it jumps, hits your hand, hits your knuckle, and you're bleeding everywhere. But I think sometimes just the thought of like buying one of these or having one of these like, that subconscious like kind of keeps you in the field whether you're thinking about it or not like almost keeps you safer like cuz you're like mentally aware like you know you have the stuff but like you're still somehow you're just thinking about it um i remember this is many years ago back in high school i was rabbit hunting with a good buddy of mine we've gone rabbit hunting many many times shot a couple rabbits and we're like dressing them out in the field got them we're cutting them up and we're talking and my buddy ben who has gotten more rabbits than anyone i can think of is talking to me and he's about to, what he would do is he had a nice big, almost like butcher style knife. And to get rid of the back legs there, he'd put that knife kind of right on that back joint by their, kind of like by the knee and he'd give it a whack and it would pop right through the bone of the rabbit. He wasn't paying attention. Somehow had his knife upside down, whacked the blade with his hand. And I mean, I don't know how many napkins it would have take to stop the bleeding, but I know we put about 60 Taco Bell napkins from the truck into that thing and it was still bleeding through. So, like, having something would have really, really been helpful.
0: Well, I've just pulled up um, this uh, DNR. Uh, Wisconsin DNR has, like, their um, incident reports. I'll share the screen with those that are watching. Uh, and I think you should be able to see this um, did I kick you out there somehow? Sorry about that, Christian. You're back.
2: Yeah, I don't know what happened. I'm
0: not sure. I'm sharing my screen to show Wisconsin DNR incident reports. And these are real reports that happened. So it can only show me the years past. So I don't know what's going on this year so far. But uh, just, just for example, we look back at May 9th of 2021. So that's almost a year ago. Shooter was using a bipod for shooting at a turkey. After firing the shotgun, it fell off. The rest causing the, the shooter to pull the trigger and round stuck the shooter victim in the right foot. How are we dealing with that with what you have? Like, what can we do with that injury? I'm assuming he's going to call someone and like the paramedics are going to show up. But until that happens, that's got to suck for that person, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, are you, are you asking me how to fix if you shot yourself in the foot with a shotgun?
0: Well- <laughs> like, what do you... There's going to be a lot of blood. There's going to be some bandages. Like, which, you know, if I had something with me in the, in the, um, the pack you're talking about, like the, the day pack the hiking pack um you know I, I just thought it'd be interesting to look at like some real world examples for hunters like what are we what are hunters running into and apparently it's shooting themselves in the foot <laughs> i just talked about falling out of trees and i was a little wrong apparently because all of the ones i see from 2021 are they're like shooting themselves. pellet strike to the hand pellet strike to the stomach pellet strike to the head what you know it tells you if they're fatal not mostly all these are not fatal but they're it tells you what yeah, i mean
2: a, a lot of times that's just a really painful injury and you just have to get back and get those removed, right? I mean, a, a gunshot wound or a shotgun wound are a little bit different in that capacity. I mean, I'm not saying you put a tourniquet on if you're not gushing blood out. Tourniquets, you know, we sell tourniquets and um, you got to know how to put them on right. And also there are other things that happen when you put a tourniquet on. I mean, you're you're really cramping down on some soft tissue and there can be other injuries. So I think it, it kind of comes to how bad was it? Is it a, is it a couple BDs BBs from long range or are you missing three toes? You know, there's a difference there. And that where that's where I get back to a little bit of like, depending on severity, having communication can be really, really vital. I mean, we, you know, we sell a yeah. lot of parks. We don't yeah. make two on our website, like Garmin's, you know, I've got a Garmin in reaches with me all the time and I can hit an SOS and it's expensive, but you're going to stay alive probably cause somebody's coming. So it just, it just depends. Like you gotta be a little prepared for everything. And obviously you, you can never probably be fully prepared. I mean, a grizzly attacks you from behind, there's not a lot of our kit that's going to, you know, help you navigate that. But, um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of stuff in there. I mean, what I see is like, people are out there and they're super thirsty. It's a hot day and okay, I'm going to drink some water out of that, out of that little brook over there, you know, and then you're dealing with GRD or something else, like having a little water filter or maybe being able to make shade. If you're, if you're, some reason that heat stroke or or maybe you're freezing and you just need to like, you know, create a way to create some warmth. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things like that that happen um, all the time. You know, people get lost and they have to spend a night out in the woods and being able to have a waterproof shelter that's refracting infrared heat back at you and have a little shelter can be the difference between life and death. So for me, you know, those are the things we focus on. Gunshots are, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like there's, Sometimes, you know, you're, you're dead instantly. And sometimes, you know, if it's a couple BBs, it's going to suck, but you can get them out later and you're going to be fine. I think it just, it depends.
0: We do have, um, so our show is live. Obviously we have uh, people commenting in and we have a couple callers that actually uh, are filling up the queue here. So I'm going to bring one of our callers in it's Greg Morgan. He's with first gen outdoors. Uh, Greg, thanks for, for calling into the show. Do you have a question or a story?
3: Hey, yeah. So, um, Thanks for taking my call. I have a little story, and uh, I'm kind of familiar with this topic with my work. Um, I actually was just recently in charge with creating an IFAC for my department, which that deals with a little bit more serious wounds, like you were saying, like gunshot wounds and stuff like that. And I found um, it was maybe two years ago that I was prepared, but I wasn't prepared for something a little less serious. Um, My daughter and I were out. Hanging cameras, and my younger son had uh, taken a fall, and he split his chin open like pretty good. <clears throat> and I remember going to my med pack, and I was like, "Okay, well, I have tourniquets, and I have like quick clot and stuff, but I have nothing to mm-hmm. to help him with his cut on his chin." And I was like, really kind of eye opening to me that uh, I needed to kind of broaden my my uh, my supplies that I, I carried on me with that stuff, and. And um, you were one
0: of those um, preppers. I was thinking too yeah. much in that You weren't. You weren't bringing the sneakers. You were bringing the. How am I going to eat these plants? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when
1: you stop, and when you stop and think about it, like how much does gauze and some medical tape weigh? Like nothing. Not that nothing
0: much. when you need
3: yeah, it. it. Throw it uh, in
1: there, right? Like it's worth it. Yeah.
3: So yep. I just went to a combat like medical class, and uh, it was like um, training for tourniquets and gunshot wounds, and uh, so now I have that stuff with my work. And I've kind of uh, ventured out into getting like, you know, like you were talking about before, like the blister stuff, um, having that stuff that's just going to either ruin your day or make it easier. And then like you explained, it can make it to the point to where it slows you down enough to where you're getting lost. It's dark uh, and you're in the woods. Um, so I've kind of gotten more stuff. And then I wouldn't I don't classify myself as a prepper, but I do have it like that stuff in my truck. I have it in my my uh, work bag that I have, and then you know I have one of those Vortex uh, Bino cases, uh, their their biggest one. I think it's like called the Guide or something. And I have uh, some stuff in the pouch there too that I carry. But uh, I, it, it sounds like the pack that you you guys have would be great. That it's like already good to go and has all that stuff. And
2: yeah, I mean we've got we've got um, all sorts of different sizes. I mean I think that's up to the person to determine you know, are you, are you riding in on a four wheeler and, you know, walking, walking a quarter mile to a a stand or are you, you know, are you packing a 60 pound pack and you're going to be on foot for miles and miles? And that, that helps answer those questions. But, um, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's, it's kind of endless as to what could happen and you kind of want to buy the things that, that work in the most scenarios and you want some large scale stuff and some small scale stuff. And, you know, I think, um, and he experiences a wonderful teacher and you just, you just, you know, it's yeah. The prepper word has become kind of stigmatized, right? Everybody thinks of like John Goodman and 10 Cloverfield lane. If you've seen that movie, it yeah. you was know, like praying for the aliens to show up because he's, he's been waiting for this moment his whole life. And I'm not that guy either, but man, you get, you get, you get lost in us. You know, I used to ride snowmobiles like, you know, like insane amounts when I was a little kid and I'd get lost or, you know, as a sto- storm come in you couldn't figure it. It's just, that stuff teaches you and you don't want to be in that situation too many times. So you start planning and, uh, yeah, and the more, the more you do it, the more efficient you get and the more prepared you are. And it's just, it's just, especially in the world we live in today, it's, it's something I think everyone should pay attention to as much as they can.
3: Yeah. And it's good to like, you could, you could definitely, um, I like, I change it up depending on what I'm hunting. Like I've gone out to Ohio yeah. um, and hunted public land there and, I'll go out by myself for, you know, a long weekend and I'll bring different stuff. If that's the case, if I'm with the buddy, I I won't, or depending on how deep I go in, you know um, it would be different than if I'm running out the door after work and going to my local hunting spot, I'm not going to be carrying all of this stuff. So.
2: Right. Right. I I mean, seasonal too. I mean, I've got a, you know, I run the company, so my truck's got quite a bit of gear in it, and I, I'm, you know, I'm about to do that seasonal changeover now. We keep getting these snowstorms, so I haven't done it, but you don't need the same stuff in, in Wisconsin winter as you do in Wisconsin summer, so, you know, it's just being on top of that stuff. Yeah. A bunch of blankets aren't going to do you do you much good if it's 120 <laughs> degrees, you know, when you need water.
0: Thanks for the call, yeah. Greg. We appreciate it. we got another one behind you. In fact, it's another Greg, so I'm going yeah. to drop you off and bring in the other Greg.
2: Yeah, thanks, man. All right, sounds good, guys. Have a good one.
0: All right. Greg, how you doing? You're live on the show. You got a question or a story? Well, we got all sorts of stories, don't we? But uh, <laughs> no, questions in regards to gear uh, in particular. Are you making a kit for, like, big water fishermen? And The reason I ask that is, like, on Lake Michigan here, when we go out, we have to have certain things in, in the boat. So it'd be great to have a pack that had the medical kit, the flare gun, all the signal devices that we would have to have to comply with the rules of the Coast Guard. Is that
2: something yeah. you have? Kind of. Um, so, you know, push comes to shop, we're still a small company, and what we're trying to do is build products that affect the widest group of people we can so we haven't gotten hyper specific on anything and and yeah I mean I, I have a boat myself so I'm familiar with the flare guns and I, like we don't we don't build a flare gun um, we kind of focus on on the, the first aid stuff so you know like that kit they have in front of them there hundred percent waterproof a molly backer you can strap it on it's not gonna fall out it's got it's got some tools and first aid in it but we don't make anything specific to like you know the fishing you're doing, um, we, we have a long pipeline of products of, of things we're considering for the future. And, you know, as, as we grow and we can handle more inventory, then we're getting more specific, right? We're thinking about off-roading and, and boats, and we're thinking about, you know, all that different stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised in the near future if we have something more specific, but, you know, for most people that maybe have a bass boat, maybe they've got a, a wakeboard boat or just a little John boat or whatever, Um, you know, that, that thing is going to work really well. It floats, it's airtight. You can strap it on. It's, it's got a lot of great stuff in it, but so I guess the answer is kind of, you know, and I I wish I could say for sure here it is, but it's just
0: the product roadmap. I know, I know a number of captains that are out chartering on the, in the ocean, you know, obviously the the Lake Lake (laughs) Michigan's basically, you know, our version of a little ocean here, no salt, no sharks. So I'm happy to have it. Uh, but I think Greg, you got a good point there that maybe there's, there's some, uh, opportunity as, as, they continue to grow that, that could be some products that you could look forward to or something, whether it's got the flare gun or not, I'm not sure. But, um, I have uh, an uncle that lost his brother out in Lake Michigan and he was out there every single day of his life. Basically he was as expert as they come and, and some big waters came and they, their boat went, went down, it was cold and, and they never found him. And that was last, last year. So, uh, it can really happen to anybody. I don't know that, uh, anything would have saved him then or not, but you, you did mention Christian that you had some sort of lifeboat too. Like what, what is that product?
2: Oh uh, yeah. We built it, we call it the rapid raft. So there was a military re- request for rapid water crossings, lightweight water crossings. And, um, we have a, we have a patent on this. It was, it was named best in show outdoor retailer, which is a pretty big, pretty big deal for us as a small company, but it's a little, I mean, it, it packs up smaller than a loaf of bread It weighs three and a half pounds you can inflate it in 30 seconds and I have video to prove it um, with no tools and it'll hold 400 pounds. And um, while it was designed for kind of, you know, getting across a, a river or a lake or a small body of water, um, there's stuff all over the internet of people doing class two, class three rapids in it, which I don't recommend, but it is tough enough and it, and it will. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of a cool adventure slash preparedness tool. If there's high water, you've got a way to carry a bunch of stuff out or throw grandma in it. Um, But you know what I, what I use it for, I have one in my truck all the time is if I'm scouting for elk or shed hunting up in the Uinta mountains here, um, you know, we'll get way up 10, 12, 13,000 feet. And there's these high Alpine lakes and you'll, you know, they'll they'll get fished around the edges because people will hike up to them and fish. But you can inflate that raft, go out the middle, throw a fly and kind of backstroke with it 30 feet off the boat and catch fish like crazy. And um, (laughs) it's just pretty, pretty cool to put a boat in a body of water that's never had a boat on it before. Um, So,
1: you know, it's kind of fun. Yeah, when you first mentioned that raft, my mind did not go to to survival mode and <laughs> went to man <laughs> i have
0: been how can i get some, some white gel out of here can i bring a, a I loaf like, of bread with me to cross the this river
1: way, can i pole vault across that with a dead branch can i set up a zip line but like i literally yeah. thought about buying a cheap inflatable tube at walmart and curing it in my pack so i can <laughs> sit
0: there we tried to cross a frozen like we,
1: we talked irrigation about that. Thing when we went other... across that ice because yeah. we went out in the morning it was frozen
0: and by the afternoon it's not frozen. we all made it across we all made it across, and all of us stayed dry. So. No, no, I did not stay dry. I was a guinea oh. pig. <laughs> a little, little bit of mud kicking up, but yeah. we
1: did make it. Eric was brave. You went first. I
0: lost a sock in that trip. <laughs> we did not all come back At least home. It
1: wasn't for wiping. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it was. It was pretty muddy.
0: <laughs>
1: it looked worse.
0: Uh, thanks for calling, Greg. Greg's our other co-host. He's not feeling well. Thanks for. I'm Feel glad you called, Greg.
1: Yeah, buddy. We'll see you. All right. Take it easy.
0: Christian, you got, you know, so this is the okayest, Hunter. We celebrate failures, and we celebrate them to, (laughs) to, you know, laugh at ourselves in some future state because, of course, when it happens, you're frustrated and pissed off. Uh, But, you know, failure is one of the things that solders a lesson in your brain better than most things. It's once you fail at something, you typically aren't going to make that mistake again. And if you do, you got to question your intelligence a little (laughs) bit. uh, You know, so to that that end, I'm – you know, curious if you have, as a hunter or just general outdoorsman, if you have uh, a at least one okayest, what we call okayest moments here at Okay Center, so where you did something silly that you're like, "Oh God, I can't believe that happened," or or whatever.
2: So many, right? Um, <laughs> right. That's right. all of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, just you know, learning how to elk hunt basically on my own for the last three years has been. I mean, you probably could have made a sitcom out of it the first couple of years, and I finally have, have been successful now um, a bit, but uh, man, I mean, that's how you learn, right? You can't read a book and go out and figure that out. You got to try and try and try. That said, um, I, two things come to mind. One happened two days ago. I was in Texas hunting Axis deer with my bow, and um, I was waiting for a new bow to arrive, and it arrived like a couple days before I was taking off for Texas. And so I'm looking at the bow that I am just so comfortable with and I know exactly how it shoots. And then my new bow with the Garmin a one, I Pro sight, which I've been dying to try. And I'm like, I can do this. I can get this dialed. So, you know, working long days, come home, shoot arrows until I know I'm missing. um, I'm off because you know, I'm tired, put a couple hundred through and then, um, um, I realized, I was like, man, this doesn't quite feel right. And I realized my draw length was like too short. And so I put a new kind of module, whatever they do to switch those things out on the cams right before I took off. And the way those Garmin sites work is you enter a bunch of data and then you shoot. And so one of the most important data points is your, your arrow speed. And my bow was shooting at 297. We switched those cams out. I was at the store, I'm like, I'm just gonna throw it on. It shot at 297. I searched the internet it sounded like as long as there wasn't a change in arrow speed, my sights should still be accurate. Right. I asked a couple of friends who were familiar. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. Went down to Texas, got in a little late, wanted to go out hunting right away. I, you know, there's definitely a change when you go from high elevation to low with a, with, you know, the, just the atmosphere pushing down on an arrow. So shot a couple of 20, it was, you know, made a small adjustment went out and, after about a day of tracking axis, which spot and stalk axis hunting is is not easy, at least for me, it's it's very challenging. You know, I got to sixty two yards on a couple bucks or feeding or drinking on a pond, and um, had one I was going to shoot and pulled back and and I missed, and I was sure I. Hit, I mean, just everything felt good. And I went back after, and my bow was shooting fourteen inches off, and um, I. I just, I'm a preparedness guy. Like I don't go in not knowing exactly <laughs> what my equipment is going to do ever. And I think, you know, before that, I was telling a friend, I'd gone five for five on, uh, you know, one shot, one kill on, on my last hunt. And I, maybe I got a little cocky and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, check I'm
0: good. We had to re-humiliate and, yourself a little bit.
2: <laughs> for sure. You're even, on our show. That's even, why you
0: had the story to tell. <laughs>
2: yeah, but even though the data was, was, I mean, I still thought I was doing everything. I just didn't put in the time to shoot a bunch of arrows and and really, like, triple check. And that's what you have to do, right? There's nothing worse than spending all the time and resources to get yourself in a position where you can take a shot at an animal and then you miss. Like, I I can't think of anything stupider, in my opinion. You know, like, I should be better than that
1: that's a great example of like you can have the greatest new technology these bows today are unbelievable you think about you know the new bows 20 years ago and how lucky we are that even the cheapest bows now are so incredible and you have this site right this beautiful garment site that does the range and it's still the human element right it's always the human element that fails or messes up it's it's without even
0: if it's like the bow is great. And then you mess up as a human, but you are still the human that like worked on the bow. <laughs> so the human element is, is spattered across the whole paradigm. You're like, yeah, yeah. It, it's not just like, it's the bow. It's like, well, if you had something to do with the bow, you probably also could have messed that up too. In addition to like, however, you're going to give a target panic or oh, gonna, man. you know, flinch the trigger, whatever the hell you did.
2: I mean, I, 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 I paper tuned that thing. I read all the, I did everything I could. I just knew in the back of my head that I had not given myself enough time to put enough arrows through it after making a pretty big change to that thing. And I knew it and I knew it. And even though the data told me one thing, I I should have just slowed down. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't trigger panic. I put four arrows in a tiny group and they were all 14 inches down and three inches. Right. You know? And I'm like, well, and I have the video, like it just, it like literally it just combed his hair as it went under him, you know? So, um, that's one. The, the other funny one, actually, which, um, which also popped in my head, which I think people will enjoy, is uh, I was elk hunting this year. It was, it was kind of mid-season. I had found where a bunch of bulls were, and I was out there every night after work. Um, and I, I, there was kind of these woods, and there was kind of a, a big drainage. And I'd heard some bugles over in the drainage, so I went over to check it out. And as I'm looking over this drainage, kind of on the other side, I hear a bugle behind me. And I kind of stop and listen. And then I, it sounds like it's coming closer. So I'm like, I need to get back in the woods. So I, I start moving through the woods and you know how it is you're trying to move fast, but you're also trying to make sure that you're not running in and the animal seeing you. And so I'm, I'm tiptoeing and kind of stopping and checking. And then I see some movement and I freeze and you know, a, a nice big bull is walking in just slow bugling, not a care in the world. And, um, I wait till he gets behind some trees, and I get to where I think he's going to go. And there's a lane, and I'm standing there, and he kind of, kind of almost does it, but in a way where I, I'm not quite there. And he walks in and stops, and he circles, and he lays down, and facing me at about, I think it was like 96 yards or something, just outside a range. And I'm I'm standing there in camo against a tree, and he's just facing me, chewing, just just relaxing. And um, I'm like if I kneel down, he's going to see me. Right. So he goes to like, lick his back and I drop and I'm like, like looking up over, you know, the binos and I can, I can see him just kind of laying there. His ears are droopy. Other bulls are bugling. He bugles back laying down like nothing's getting him up. Right. And so the sun's starting to set and I'm like, I gotta do something. I can't just sit here until it's dark. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to belly crawl in 30 yards and I'm going to stand up and take, I'm going to be at full draw. when I stand up and just let it go. Hell color, yeah. It's like some white yeah. tail adrenaline. Hell stuff. Yeah. Get on. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> so I, I am, I am using every ounce of ability in my body to be quiet, you know, and adjust slow on hands and knees with my bow. And I go about, you know, 30, 40 yards and I, I haven't heard anything yet. I'm like, well, I'll take another step. Like, the closer, the better. You know? And I'm ready to pull. And finally, I'm like, oh, I got to stand up. I got to do this. So I, like, I'm on my knees and I pull the bow back and I get ready and I stand up. And he is gone. He had gotten up and just left. And I'm yeah. talking, I mean, how big are these things? 800 pounds, 900 pounds? <laughs> how are they? Big, the- big bull. And I'm literally, I could throw a, you know, a baseball and hit him and he got up and walked away and i i'm using every cell in my body to listen be quiet i never heard him and i just i just laughed i'm like i'm i'm just impressed and also like really ashamed of myself
0: but you had to try like you said you if you did nothing then nothing would have happened it would have been dark and you were like i should have done something so at least you did but they are masters of their I wouldn't even domain. call that no-case moment that's that's like That's just fate or something. That's just
1: just destiny for that animal.
2: That's awesome though. I just, I feel, I mean, it's one thing to hear him get up and run away. Right. Like, I didn't even know. I I had no idea he'd even left, like never saw him, never heard a thing. I'm just like, that's insane. That's insane. How those big animals can be so noisy. And then when they want to be, they can, they can literally just vaporize into thin air. Yeah. Vanish. Right. So did you start elk hunting
1: Christian when you moved to Utah? I would imagine.
2: I had done, uh, I had done one hunt before I moved here and it just kind of, it was an unsuccessful, I, you know, I went to Montana and went with a guide guide service and was out there for eight or nine days hiking around and never really saw much. And, um, but it just got in my blood. Um, I, I'll be honest. There's probably a lot of people here that'll yell blasphemy, but I have a hard time with tree stands. I I I am like an object in motion, and um, I really like spot and stalk and hiking around. And you know, even in Texas this weekend, I look. My garment at 46 miles in two days, and I. You find sheds. You find cool spots where animals are digging around. You run into animals. Like, for me, like the the shooting the animal is obviously like the cherry on top, but I just like being out there in nature and, and just feeling and smelling and hearing and experiencing everything and I if I stop I fall asleep and you're talking about people falling out of tree stands. like I, I just it's gonna be that. me if I do it. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, the object in motion. I, yeah, so so you know, whitetail hunting growing up, freezing and these you know, my <laughs> my dad was a busy farmer and you know, it was one of those things where a week before he'd go out and hammer some sawed off two by fours into a tree and put some really sketchy little stand up and I hated it, you know, I always felt like I was going to fall. It felt dangerous. I was cold. Um, and so, you know, I just didn't like tree stand hunting. And so once I got out here and got into it's mountain climbing, right? I mean, it's really mountain climbing and camping and you're searching for these very interactive animals and Holy cow. I just love it. It's so it much. fun. Um,
0: awesome. My cousin gets too bored sitting in a tree stand, but he's a, <laughs> more success than i can imagine you know doing the the spot and stalk style and, and covering ground he's, he's he's admitted he's like i just can't sit still that long it's just boring for me um so he found a way to make it work for him on the ground and he he kills big big mm-hmm. mature whitetail from you know five to ten yards with a longbow and it's pretty cool wow. like the
3: he's way that he really goes
0: yes he's playing chess with these animals and it's uh it's pretty cool every i mean every year he sent me a picture of a deer that he. i'm like man you know <laughs> what the heck uh, and he's he's try to teach me some things and and hopefully i'm receptive and it'll work out for me one day uh and i can apply some of that stuff but the the, si- the sitting still thing for me even when you're still hunting which is an interesting term for what that means because you're you're not still you're actively walking through the woods quietly and waiting for opportune moments to to walk whether an airplane's flying overhead or some crows are coming in or a squirrel whatever you do have your moments of stillness in that type of hunting it's not like you're just yeah. jogging through the woods um oh, i read yeah. a- Stillness is the key, and it practically changed my life. Uh, by Ryan Holiday. Now I read all of his damn books, and um, but that book was a big one. That was the that was the starting point for me, and I I learned to try to slow down more and disconnect and and take in what you know I would consider a moment, and, and a moment could be a minute, it could be an hour, it could be a year, really, depending on how you want to classify that. So it sounds like you're pretty good at taking that stuff in, even though you're on the move.
2: I've I've rushed it way too many times. You know, you hear a bugle, you come in, you think they're you think they're 600 yards ahead and they were a hundred yards ahead and, Oh, they're looking at me game over, you know, like that happens so much. And so it's, I don't think there's any way to learn except experience and being out there because sometimes you do have to move fast and sometimes you have to be, I always tell my friends, it's a little bit of Tai Chi, right? Because like you'll be halfway through a step and then you see movement and you're just, you're like frozen with one foot on the ground and one foot in the air, (laughs) you know, with two hands on a bow. And you gotta somehow stay that way for five minutes because some cow, as you busted, is staring mm-hmm. at you. Just w- she saw head movement bob. and she's waiting to see what else. And um, it's always know, it's, the it's, patient cow that sees you too, or the
1: most patient doe, the one who will sit there and head bob and look. It's always the one who's got twenty minutes. Did you kill. have something
0: better to do? Yeah, you know Jared Sheffield with Whitetail Adrenaline did say at one point we had him on a couple of times. He had said, "You either have to be aggressive, aggressive, or passive aggressive." And the way that they hunt, they're all ground hunting, right? They're all he's doing these spot and stalk type of hunts and, and they're getting real close to these, to these animals and, and sometimes pretty open territory where they're belly crawling like you had tried to do. And they're doing that for like two hours to close the gap. Um, but he had mentioned yeah. like at some point you just instinctually start to learn how to like navigate that stuff. That's not something that you can read about, listen to, and then apply. You got to go do it. Like you're not going to learn how to hit a fastball by reading a book. You got to go take some swings and someone's got to pitch you a ball. At some point, you're going to have to actually swing to learn.
2: And this is, you know, I know this is more whitetail than elk, but um, that was the thing I learned this year was being more aggressive. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Like, you know, I used to just be quiet, right? You hear them, you kind of slowly move in, you call and you're quiet. Well, if I'm an elk and I, I hear an elk call and then the elk's not walking around, I'm probably wondering why that elk froze, right? Mm-hmm. So this last year, the way I shot my bull, I mean – I, I was bugling and cow calling and I had a stick in my hand. And I was banging it off stuff, and um, and those they came right in. And I was I walked towards and them right. and they walked towards me.
0: Yeah, yeah just you just sound, you, you sound like the other
2: elk, right? Yeah, deer are different. Yep. And so yeah. everyone is. I mean, that's why people love hunting. It's not easy. It's just, and when you do it, you feel like the smartest man on earth. And then when you when you fail, you, you, it's usually for something you knew better and you just feel like an idiot. But like, that's, that's the attraction, right? That's what it's all about. It's a, it's
1: the same with a lot of different things. And the guys on the, the comments here on our end, Christian, we're talking about Turkey hunting because we're mid, you know, Wisconsin Turkey season, second season opens yeah. tomorrow. And uh, the hunting public guys, I feel like made that really popular. But when you're calling so many guys are sitting and calling in these dry, crunchy Oak leaves, and there's never any walking sound when you're sitting there calling the hunting public guys. If you watch their turkey videos, they're constantly, they call and they scratch their hand in the leaves a little bit. Cause what a turkey's doing, they're walking, they're scratching up the leaves. Right. So sitting there and calling same idea as your elk. Like where's the sound of the real animal? Like where is the sound of the animal walking? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, I mean, anytime you've ever scratched in the leaves, I've scratched the leaves, turkey hunting. It's made a huge difference in calling. Yep.
0: Yep. Same thing. Even when people are like trying to, you know, call on a buck during rut. Some of these guys are, are, you know, pouncing around on the ground and banging into stuff and throwing leaves up in the air and doing somersaults. Yeah, and some of them make it look goofy, but I've seen that actually work firsthand, you know, where you you're doing those things and it's more natural because if two bucks were fighting, they'd be oh, messing ever, up the ground a little bit. If you've bit. heard
1: a buck fight or an elk fight, it I mean, loud. Sounds like a bulldozer in the woods.
0: Yeah.
2: My uh, <laughs> yeah, my buddy Billy always says they're like a they're like a drunk at a bar looking for a fight, you know, when they come in. <laughs> like they're they're a little crazy. <laughs> they're pissing all over drooling yeah. and flexing <laughs> and running in and you know it's, it's emotion it's not logic at that point with the elk and that's yeah. that's i mean obviously that's what we all dream about that's like the most fun is when they're just they're just all hormones it's, it's pretty good yeah, that's awesome <laughs> good yeah. lesson for us men right It's was like yeah i, right.
0: I make a lot of overpower is on our podcast <laughs> over over the many months <laughs> we've been doing this there's a lot of like well, if you're in a bar. Anyway, uh, you know, we're, we're right at about an hour, a little more so with the, the technical glitches we had in the beginning. But uh, Christian, can you round us out and, and let people know where they can find you, how they can find you um, and, and your products as well? Like if someone wants to learn more about you as a person, uh, as an entrepreneur and what you have going on, because you, you have a lot of unique things that you've done uh, from that perspective, but also the product.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, our company is called Uncharted Supply Co., uh, we spend a lot on digital advertising. So if you type in any of those words, something should show up. Um, <laughs> play, right? Yeah. Our Instagram is at uncharted supply co mine's at Christian Schauff. Um Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the great place to start. You know, our websites UnchartedSupplyCo.com. supply um, You know, we, we're small, we're growing, but we really take pride. And I, I always tell our guys, like we treat every customer. Like it's our mom asking a question. We should really be a resource for people and be helpful. So if you got questions or or whatever, like hit me up, hit our team up. We're, you know, we're we're not Mother Teresa. We're trying to build a for profit business, but I also like, I also have a bit of a mission here in trying to make the world a better place. And I feel like every time we can, we can help answer a question for somebody or get the right stuff in their hands, um, we're we're checking that box a little. So, you know, I'd love to hear from anybody. It'd be fun, absolutely.
0: No, thanks for taking time out of your your schedule to hang out with us moose in the background the sun coming through the windows looks good where you're at uh sun is about to go down over here we're a little bit ahead of you in time uh we're central so for those that that tuned in commented in and called in thank you for joining us and uh, as always this will be in podcast land this evening and we'll catch you guys later thanks so much
3: good night